0: Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 84. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, whether it's through our website, rockisgeorge.com, on our YouTube page, through one of the many podcasting streaming apps, or at the loudest.com on the planet, knac.com. My guest for this episode is Jeanne Stark of Meriwether Stark Wackerman. This is a new project that was sort of born out of an old project. Jeanne Stark had a band with Neil Merriweather called Merriweather Stark, and it morphed into this Merriweather Stark-Wackerman. You're going to find out why during the interview. Their debut album, Cosmic Effect, came out on November 11th through Meadowville Records. Unfortunately, Neil Merriweather passed away after a battle with cancer before the album's release. Jeanne is going to talk a bit about his friendship with Neil and recording music together. So here is Jeanne Stark of Meriwether, Stark, Wackerman. If I knew absolutely nothing about Meriwether, Stark, and Wackerman, how would you describe the band's music to me?
1: 70s-influenced blues-based hard rock with some cool riffs.
0: I'd say that's an accurate assessment of your album Cosmic Effect, which is ready to come out on November 11th through Meadowville Records. Some sad news with the release is that Neil Merriweather passed shortly after recording the album. So the album kind of acts as a eulogy to Neil. Uh, you were able to finish the album uh, after his passing with the blessing of his girlfriend. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about how you met Neil and, and your friendship together?
1: It actually started when I I um, I, was—I recorded a bunch of albums with a project called Mountain of Power, which is kind of my,
0: my tribute
1: to the uh, more or less obscure '70s bands that I grew up with, like Captain Beyond and Stray Dog and uh, Cyril Baltimore, and and Neil was one of them. Uh, And I was going to record a cover of uh, his song Kryptonite, and I found him on Facebook and got in touch with him, and I. Cause i wanted to do to record suit to, what i do sometimes is i record like two songs and i merge them together uh, so i wanted to record kryptonite and give it all your guts and i contacted Neil and asked him if it was okay that i did did that and he said "Yeah, sure great and i sent him a demo of the song and he he really liked it and he said well, if, if you need any help just just to let me know if you would need any vocals or anything uh, and I was also recording uh, covers of uh, Canadian guitar player Walter Rossi and his old band Charlie. And uh, I didn't have any singer for that song. And I actually hadn't really heard Neil's vocals since, I mean, what he did back in the 80s. So I, I checked a bit online and I found he's actually recorded some, uh, some stuff for the project called 100 Watt Head. Uh, which wasn't that long ago, and his vocals were still awesome. So I asked him if he could, uh, if he wanted to, to lay down some vocals for that song. And he he said, "Yeah, I'd love to." Um, he would actually had been uh, at home for several years be- because his wife uh, had uh, recently, like six months before this, she'd passed away from cancer, and he'd been uh, at home with her. And he had kind of got out of the music business, so um, he thought it was like, like a good re recreational thing to to kind of record vocals for this song and he did and he did an outstanding job and he said well i kind of this this was really fun do, do you have like any original material so and i was actually working on, on a bunch of stuff so i sent him a song and like just a couple of weeks later he'd written uh, vo- uh, written lyrics and recorded vocals for, for that song and uh, sent it to me so oh, what do you think of this I was like yeah <laughs> And then we started working on an album together and that, that project was called uh, Mary Weather Stark. We ended up, uh, we, we did two albums uh, with Meriwether Stark and when we did the second album, I was coming over to, to, to uh, visit Neil in Las Vegas in 2019 uh, when we were recording the drums for, for the second album. Or actually I was, I was coming over so we were going to finish writing the album and record the drums. And we, um, we actually did that in like Three days, we had a, a guy named uh, Michael a fantastic drummer. So he came came in, uh, in Neil's studio and recorded the drums in two days. So I had a lot of I was going to be there for, for two weeks, so we had a lot of time time left. So uh, and he had been, uh, Neil had been invited to a local studio called Skeleton Key uh, to to visit the studio. So we went there and we checked it out and we met the guy who had the studio, um, Bobby Ferrari. He was a really nice guy, and uh, there was drums set up in the studio. And uh, he said, Well, the, the, it's this guy that I'm using on some recordings, John uh, Wackerman. Or actually, he didn't say his name, guy that I'm using on some recordings. Then John came in and he introduced himself and he said, I'm John Wackerman. And I was like, Wackerman, are you related to Ch- uh, Chad Wackerman? Played with Frank Zappan, all these guys. Yeah, it's, it's my brother. Wow. And uh, Brooks uh, from Avenge Sevenfold was his younger brother and uh, and he himself he'd played with the uh, lindsey buckingham and he'd just been um doing like a tv show he was uh, the band leader and drummer for uh, i think it was called the ron reagan show uh, on tv and he just finished that and he was kind of didn't have any band or anything and uh, so he was a really nice guy and we chatted along and uh, he said well why don't you come over for dinner sometime this week so um Visited him on on Friday, him and his wife, and Bobby from the studio was there as well. And we had a really nice evening, uh, lots of good food and uh, not too much alcohol. And uh, (laughs) so then we were were sitting there chatting around and talking about, we had so many, like, um, a lot of common ground regarding bands that we grew up with and that we liked. And uh, uh, I mean, when we were at at John's house, he showed us. like John Bonham's uh, snare drum, which he got, and the snare drum that um, can't remember the name. Not the drummer with Frank Zappa. We recorded the Black Page, and it
0: had a Basio. Terry Bosio.
1: Yeah, Bosio. That's right. That's right. And he actually had the um, uh, the sheet music for the song on the drum itself, uh, and he had a like really really great collection of, of snare drums and stuff, and. Um, uh, and then Bobby said, "Well, the, the studio's free this weekend if you want to come in and, and jam." And we said, "Yeah, that that would be great." So, um, and we didn't have any. We really just thought we'd go in and jam some and see see what, just just for fun. Uh, and Bobby said, "Well, we'd better like set up for recording just in case you come up with something." Uh, so yeah, yeah okay and i, I actually i d- didn't have any guitar with me um, at all so uh, a friend of mine mike varney you know had used to run shrapnel records he's a friend of mine and lives in las vegas as well so uh, he came over with the uh, with the guitar that i could borrow so we went in on on the saturday and um, neil had an idea that he had idea that he had been like working on before but nothing happened from it so uh, we started fooling around with it and suddenly we'd recorded a song and then i had an old idea that i had been working for working on for some time and that never like became anything and then suddenly i read two songs on on the saturday we wrote and recorded three songs and on the uh, uh sunday we did four songs and then Bobby said, "Well, the studio is free Monday uh, morning as well. If you want to come in and like do two or three more songs, and you have a whole album." Uh, so we said, "Yeah, we'll do that." <laughs> and we actually did three more, three more songs on the on the Monday. I mean, some some of the stuff I actually sat in uh, uh, in Neil's sofa in the morning before we were going to the studio with an acoustic guitar, just uh, trying to find some riffs that I could like present or, or we could do something with. Uh, So it was, uh, I mean, it's one of the most organic recordings that I have done with a band, where where you just come in and have nothing when you uh, get into the studio and three days later, you have 10 songs. So it was, it was really fantastic experience.
0: Mike Varney from Shrapnel, was he just part of the studio or he just happened to be there? Is it just somebody you called up to for a guitar?
1: Now he's he's a friend of uh, mine and Niels uh, a mutual friend and every time that I go to the US or when I go to Las Vegas I always bring a bunch of CDs because we trade CDs he's he's a music collector like me and uh, he's always into a lot of the Swedish 70s stuff and stoner rock and that kind of stuff and uh, he's always got these uh, really cool bands as well so we do a lot of trading and uh, usually when I come over uh, the first one of the first times I was, I was there, Neil was with, with me as well. And he kind of fell asleep in the sofa because he thought we were so boring, just talking about bands and the, Oh, listen to this riff here and listen to that there. So the next time I was going over to, to Neil's, he said, uh, you go by yourself. I'll just leave the door open and you can come in. when I come back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you planning on releasing any uh, music videos for uh, the new album?
1: There will be uh, three videos. Unfortunately, we never got to record any, any like proper videos. So they will just be like uh, lyric videos and with some, some photos and stuff as well. Since this wasn't really a planned album, uh, we didn't do any photo sessions or anything like that. I actually did record a video of one of the songs that we recorded, but I put my, uh, my phone on a chair and I put it on record, and we started playing, and it fell over. So it's just like showing the roof. or actually, our necks. <laughs> I mean, when we recorded, we did we did the what we did there that weekend was kind of write the songs, and we got the drums all down, and I mean, it was, there were no click tracks, nothing like that. So uh, the drums were what they were, and um, so I brought the recordings home with me, and I just uh, re-recorded some of the guitars, and I also recorded. Uh, because Neil, uh, he recorded bass, but he didn't really like put his heart into it because he was he knew he was, was going to re-record the bass after. Uh, so I just I just recorded some rough bass just to have s- s- something to to work with, and then I sent the songs to Neil, and he um, wrote the uh, the lyrics and did the uh, recorded the vocals and everything in his studio. Uh, and then I was supposed to come over and we were going to just finish it up. And he was, was actually going to get into the studio, to Bobby's studio, to record the bass. But then when, when COVID came, I mean, every, he didn't, since he, um, uh, I mean, he was 74 at the time and he didn't really want to go out, go out and, and among people and stuff and he wanted to wait it out. So he never got, got around to recording the bass um, because he wanted to do it in Bobby's studio. But he, he recorded the vocals in his, his own studio. And then he uh, started having uh, problems with his eyesight. And uh, he sent me a message saying that he could, he could write on the phone, but he couldn't read what he had written. So then we thought, thought that something was, was wrong. So I, I told him to go see a doctor because it's, could it could be diabetes or something. It could affect your eyes. Uh, and then he did and they found out that he had a brain tumor. So so that was uh, that was really, really, uh, really tough.
0: I would imagine so.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: you guys had worked in the past before with uh, Meriwether Stark, you did rock solid in 2020 and carbon rock in 2018. Did you guys uh, always kind of record on the fly or was this current project kind of the first time you just jammed and said, let's record it?
1: This, this one was totally different from the first two albums. I mean, the first, uh, the, the Mirror Weather Stark albums, uh, on the first album, I, uh, most of the songs, I wrote the music, uh, I recorded like the basic demo for the song uh, and I sent it over to Neil. And he um, recorded some vocals, and he'd like sometimes he'd cut and paste and uh, move apart or or uh, uh maybe say that well, this this uh, uh midsection here would work best, better as a as a chorus so and then he'd like cut and paste and then i'd he'd send it back to me and i'll I'd re-record the stuff and then when when like the song was written and finished I, i'd send the, the files to uh to uh, peter on the first album the drummer that that i used on the first album and he recorded the the uh the drums and then i got the stuff back and i re-recorded some of the guitars to, to fit better with his drums so that was like the i mean like most of the albums are recorded these days sending files back and forth but i mean this the meriwether stark rackerman album that was uh that was like we did back in the in the '70s and early '80s. We just get in the studio together and you feed off each other and you kind of oh that was cool. Maybe we should do like this and then change around a bit and uh, record one version. Ah, oh, did a slightly mess up there and maybe you should do it again. And we did like I think we did like three or four takes of each each song. I mean that's that's really rare that you do that today. So so it was it was. Kind of, kind of fun getting back to that feeling.
0: Did you and Neil ever tour on the, uh, the previous material?
1: No, we didn't. Uh, we actually planned on trying to do it, but I mean, I'm over in Sweden and he was on, in Las Vegas and uh, we talked about it, but um, uh, it never really got to that point. And I mean, I've I'm, I'm also been, been busy with, with other bands and, and stuff over here. Uh, but uh, if we had found like a, a booking agent or something that was would have been interested in working with the band, maybe something would have happened. And we talked about at least playing in, in Las Vegas, but uh, I mean, since both me and on the, on the first album, both, both me and the drummer were over here in Sweden. On the second album, we did talk about it, but I mean, we never really got around to it before both, all the shit hit the fans. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You mentioned that you work with other Swedish bands, and that's kind of an understatement because you have a lot of projects. You're a very, very busy musician. Uh, I noticed one of the projects that you have is Bandelier Kings, and you recently released Volume 2, Time to Remember. This is sort of a tribute to Budgie, which wasn't a huge band over here in the U.S., but from what I understand overseas, they were kind of one of the bigger, more influential bands out uh, overseas.
1: Yeah, I, I would say I wouldn't say that they were big, but they were definitely influential, uh, and they did tour tour quite a lot in, in Scandinavia and in in Europe, and I mean they were around. I mean even KK Downing from Judas Priest uh, says he's one of his like early favorite bands, and and Judas Priest even opened up for Budgie back in like 1971 or 72. I mean, you see that Metallica has paid tribute to them, and Megadeth, and uh, a lot of bands. So, so they were definitely one of the early, like, really heavy rock bands, uh, and they, they influenced a lot of bands. And and uh, back in 1975, I had my first band called TNT, and uh, we re- recorded a demo, and we did a, a cover already back then of uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Back then, my English wasn't that good, and uh, Neither was our singer's English, so I uh, tried to try. I mean, it's it's hard even today to try to transcribe the lyrics of Burke Shelley, because the lyrics are kind of weird, and he's uh, not really uh, uh, like you can't hear, hear every word that he's saying. And it's I actually when I did the first uh, Bandolier King's album, uh, I sent that Burke was alive, and I sent him a message asking him to send the lyrics, and uh, just uh, no he didn't want to send the lyrics it it didn't want to publish li- the lyrics anywhere so actually i got, got some of the other members of the band and they helped me a bit so i sent them the lyrics so i tried to transcribe transcribe them i sent them the the lyrics and they said oh it's that word there and that word there but otherwise it's fine so because he, he wanted to to be kind of a secret guy when it came to to the lyrics and i mean if you have a song called the uh, hotter to docker's armpit or uh, new disintegrating parachutist woman then i mean <laughs> the lyrics are kind of out there
0: i think rock and roll is is steeped in in secrecy but with the internet it's it's so tough to keep a secret these days now but you mentioned one of your early bands TNT but you had another early band called overdrive that you're celebrating a 42nd anniversary with because covid Ruined the 40th anniversary, so you put out some yeah. uh, reissues of earlier uh, albums mm-hmm. and Live in the Raw in 1981, so if you kind of want to talk a little bit about Overdrive and kind of what's what's hitting uh, today, as far as Overdrive is concerned.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we formed the band in 1980s. Kind of, kind of funny how, how we formed the band, because back then I was playing in a band called Paradise, and we were like an... AOR Pomp, rock band. We did. Um, we played covers of like uh, Oreo Speedwagon, Sticks, like um, that, that kind of style. And uh, two of the other guys, they were in a band. They were like our local heroes, called Ocean, and they were more like uh, traditional rock slash hard rock. Uh, we had a, a, a local uh, rock club uh, called. Uh, uh, Rockslaget, which uh, would translate to the Battle of Rock. We had like a, uh, a magazine that we did, like a fanzine, and uh, the guy who ran the, the fanzine said, oh, there's this new thing called the new wave of British heavy metal. You should write something about that. And I, I mean, I, I saw Iron Maiden open up for KISS in 1980 in Sweden, and uh, I, w- I was totally into that uh, whole genre and era. So... Me and the drummer from Ocean got together to, to write this article about the bands because he was a big collector as well and a big fan. And when we sat there and uh, like writing about bands and uh, talking back and forth and we said well, we should form a heavy metal band. This should be a Swedish heavy metal band as well. So that, that night there, we, we formed Overdrive. and The, the name actually came from um, uh, the song uh, Overdrive by Riot which was one of my favorite bands back then. So, uh, so we were formed in 1980 and uh, we did a, first we did a demo, uh, two songs, um, we tried to get a deal and Virgin Records in, in the UK were actually interested in us, but uh, we took some time to, uh, back then it wasn't that easy to like record as it is today. So we had to get into the studio and stuff. And uh, then we uh, we recorded a self-financed five track EP that we released ourselves called reflections and then we got a deal with uh, planet records and did two albums uh, metal attack and swords and axis uh, 1983 and 84. Uh, and then we we lost our singer uh, he was actually back then it was like so who's gonna sing well not me not me not me oh, okay i'll sing then <laughs> but he he really wanted to play bass so he actually quit the band i was we had problems finding a singer back then so the 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 band actually folded in in 1985 and then we did a couple of like reunions and then in 2003 we did a another reunion and uh suddenly we got offers to play festivals so we got a record deal and uh, the original singer uh, was actually playing bass in an acdc cover band he said oh whoa whoa, whoa. i I don't want to do this i want to play bass so i'm gonna get so we found a new singer um uh, Perilos, who's also a singing, uh, is the singer of the band Portraits. He was born the same year that we released our first EP. <laughs> but uh, he stepped in, and uh, two weeks later, we played a festival in Germany, and it went great, and uh, so we went on from there. So, And then we figured, we, we, we recorded, I mean, released um, Let the Metal Do the Talking, we did the uh, Angel Maker album, Angel Maker's Daughter, uh, we did an EP called uh, Resurrected. But then the, the past couple of years, we've all, all of us have been like busy with other bands and projects, and Overdrive has been kind of on the, on the back burner. We've done one gig here and one there. So we figured, ah, we'll, we'll do a 40th anniversary year with farewell shows, and then we just put the band to rest. And then COVID happened. And, uh, <laughs> but but one, one good thing was actually that we get to rehearse a lot during these two years. So I think the the, the shows that we've done this year, our farewell shows, has been kind of the the best shows we've done ever. So we have a a lot of people saying, oh, you can't quit now. You sound better than ever.
0: Well, Zoom is giving me the five-minute countdown. I could talk to you forever for all the projects that you have going on, and I will direct people to your website to find out all the things that you're currently working on. The album, Meriwether, Stark, and Wackerman. Cosmic Effect is out on November 11th. Metalville Records sounds fantastic. I wish you the best of luck on it. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Jeanne Stark of Meriwether Stark Wackerman for coming on the Rockish George podcast. Be sure to check out their latest album, Cosmic Effect, out now on Metalville Records. Head over to your favorite music streaming app. If you like what you hear, go out and buy a physical copy. Support the artist. For all things Jeannet Stark, head over to his website, jeannestark.com. Jeanne has his hands full with plenty of bands and projects that you're sure to enjoy. He was a former member of Grand Design. He currently has a band called Constancia. He's written several books, including the Encyclopedia of Swedish Hard Rock and Heavy Metal, which had three volumes. He's quite the prolific man between music and writing, so be sure to check out all that he has to offer. I also want to thank Nathan T. Burke of Metalville Records for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.